Hello again, and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We are a church located in Beloit, Wisconsin. I am Father T.J. Humphrey, and for this episode, uh, I'm sharing with you a homily that I preached on December 1st, 2019. It was Advent 1. It was also a Sunday where uh, we had two baptisms. It was a special Sunday because I was able to baptize my own daughter uh, on. So it's a baptismal uh, sermon, more than an Adventy sermon in some ways. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good day. On Monday, some people from Neshota House Theological Seminary, my alma mater, invited our family down for a Thanksgiving celebration. It was an interesting collection of people, to say the very least. There were teenagers, priests, seminarians, an organist, somebody's grandparents, and a large group from Michigan who were pretty much like everybody else that I've ever met from Michigan. They wouldn't stop talking about how great Michigan is. I mean, you could be complaining about Trump, or talking about cheese, or crying about how your hamster just died. And people from Michigan always seem to respond with, well, Michigan is great because blank. (laughs) Also in attendance for this celebration was a very old monk. So yes, the evening had all of the makings for the beginning of a good joke. A priest, a monk, and somebody's grandma walked into a bar. In Michigan, (laughs) apparently. Now what made the event even more spectacular was that the old monk was very hard of hearing, and he had absolutely no filter. There's nothing like the taste of a delicious Thanksgiving turkey when the holy man at the other end of the table is adjusting his hearing aid while he's shouting obscenities as he recalls all of the rotten priests and bishops that he has ever known in his life. The monk kept the evening festive, (laughs) to say the least. At one point in the evening, though, the old monk stopped cussing about churchy stuff long enough to point to our son, Jason, and to exclaim, By God! This little boy is a genius. And then he told the whole room all of the reasons why our son is a genius. You know, now, it's it's hard to react as a parent in that sort of situation. I mean, you want to be humble. Well, you want to appear humble, at least. You know, you are talking to a monk, after all. But if you respond by saying, well, thank you, Father, But don't let our son's very large cranium fool you. He is just a normal boy. If you do this, you feel like you're diminishing your kid's potential and uniqueness. On the other hand, though, if you respond by saying, well, thank you, Father. You know, you are right. Our kid is a genius. Well, then you come across as one of those parents. Parents who go on and on and on, gushing about their kids as much as people from Michigan go on and on and on, gushing about, well, (laughs) Michigan. And nobody wants to be that person at the dinner party. So we just said our thank yous, and my wife and I waited until the car ride home before we started bragging about our kids, out of earshot of everybody else. Before we left the party, though, the old monk pulled me aside. 
Then he said something that really struck me. Your boy is clearly very gifted. The question is, are you and your wife going to choke out his giftedness? Will you rob him of his God-given sense of self? Or will you guide him in a way where he will flourish? Now, I know that I will not be a perfect father, and I'm not a perfect father now. But I know my answer to those questions. I know the type of father that I need to be for my son and for my children. But the old monk's questions struck me because I realized that they are the same types of questions that I have for you all at St. Paul's. Whenever it comes to my children and all of the children who are connected to this place, shortly each and every single one of you in this room, in this sanctuary, is going to make a vow. You are going to vow to lay aside all self-interest for the sake of living out the gospel for the children baptized here today. You are going to promise that you're going to pursue the path of sainthood in front of them and in a way where they can watch you. You are going to promise to show them how to do this thing the right way. And the question is, will you be people of your word? Jesus has said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And Jesus even went as far as to say that the kingdom of God belongs to these little ones. Now, there are no qualifications to Jesus' statement whatsoever. He does not say the kingdom will belong to these children if they do A, B, and C, etc. No, the kingdom is theirs. And interestingly enough, Jesus does not say that these little ones belong to the kingdom. He actually reverses that statement. He says that the kingdom of God belongs to them. The kingdom of God is subject to children. The children are not subject to the kingdom of God. Another way of saying this, and we all need to hear this today, children are not subject to the church The church is subject to its children. The church that does not prioritize its children is a church that does not prioritize the kingdom of God. Now the question is, will we choke out the kingdom of God from them by treating them as though the kingdom is not wholly theirs already? Will we rob them of their experience of God because we are more preoccupied with playing church than cultivating lives of prayer and deep transformation in their midst? Will we sin against our children by setting them bad examples to follow? And forgive me for this one, but will we corrupt their vision of all that the Christian life can become because we have half-assed this whole thing? In a recent address, Pope Francis made a very bold statement. He likes to do that from time to time, apparently. But he said this, Holiness or nothing. Holiness or nothing. If the church is not going to pursue the path of holiness, the path of real transformation, 
If the church is not going to actually embody the way of Jesus' love in our world and pass it on to the next generation and the next generation and the next one after that, then the world is better off without us. Holiness or nothing. Now, by holiness, we don't mean moral perfection. We mean the authentic pursuit of God. Holiness is not about living a moral cookie-cutter type of life because we have believed in some things about Jesus. No, holiness is about spending so much time in prayer with Jesus that everything that he is begins to rub off on everything that we are. Holiness is about a life wholly transformed by God's grace, where the wick has become the flame, where the bush which burns but is not consumed. It's the mount of God's luminous holy presence. Holiness is not simply about fleeing the occasion of sin. Just because you don't do bad stuff anymore because you're a good church person, this does not automatically make you a holy person. It more than likely has just made you a Pharisee. As someone from our tradition has said, many people who have, as they say, never done anybody any harm are often even less responsible for doing anybody any good. Many who are innocent of grave sins are also equally innocent of shining virtues, and they go on living a bland and mediocre sort of existence. My friends, we have all been living in this half-hearted, bland, and mediocre Christianity for a long time now in the West, because we define Christianity as fleeing the bad, but we're fuzzy about what it means to pursue the good. May God forgive us for being so dull-minded, for making faith so nauseatingly boring. As we gather here in this place, Jesus, the fullness of God, comes knocking on the doors of our hearts in order that our hearts may be filled with that very same fullness. As we gather here, Jesus infuses his presence into bread, wine, and bodies. As we gather here, all of the angels in heaven weave their voices together with ours, as we all sing of God's holiness together. As we gather here, the roar and rumble of heaven's joy pierces the veil and quakes through the soul who is willing just to touch it. As we gather here, all of the saints in heaven, and every loved one you have ever lost. They all lift up their voices and cry out in ecstatic song to the one who is described as being seated on the throne. As we gather here, Jesus offers us the path to becoming our fullest selves, and he promises to us the fullness of love, peace, and harmony. If only we would be adventurous enough to let ourselves be awestruck by this for one second, even. If only we would be brave enough to open our eyes and to reach out and to grab the grace that is on offer to us. May God forgive us for seeing the ocean and for only choosing to dip our toe into the water. 
May God forgive us for standing at the base of the mountain and for being too cowardly to climb. Oceans are meant to be dipped into. Mountains are meant to be summited. Christianity is meant to be lived. God forgive us all for giving any child who walks through these doors the impression that life in God is anything other than the greatest adventure they will ever know. Holiness or nothing. In the ancient church, there's a powerful story about a conversation between two monks, one of my favorites. Father Lot went to see Father Joseph and said to him, Father, as far as I can, I go to church. I fast a little. I pray and meditate. I live in peace with everybody as far as I can. And I purify my thoughts as best I can. What else can I do, Father? In other words, Father Lot's question was this. Father Joseph, look at all of the religious, churchy stuff that I do. It's enough, right? I've gotten the job done. Right? Father Lot has missed the point entirely. In response, the old man, Father Joseph, stood up and he stretched his hands towards the heavens, and his fingers became like ten lamps of fire, and he proclaimed, If you will, you can become all flame. In other words, it's not about appearing religious. It's not about doing religious, churchy stuff. It's about being wholly consumed by the Holy Spirit. What good is a baptismal font if it is never filled with holy water? What good is a soul if it is not overflowing with the very Spirit for which it is made? Fasting and prayer and peace and all of this religious stuff and all of this churchy stuff is utterly pointless if everything is not directed toward being wholly enveloped by the love of God. Holiness or nothing. My friends, do you want to love the children who are going to be baptized today and all of the children who come through these red doors and enter this sanctuary? then honor the vows you're going to make in a few minutes. Pursue God so heartily that you you come to a point where you cannot tell where your soul ends and God's presence begins. Pursue God so mightily that at every moment you feel yourself to be God's temple, where your every breath turns into a call to prayer where your every heartbeat is a reminder of the grace that permeates all of existence, where every second is filled with heaven's joys for you. If you will, you can become all flame. If you want to guide these precious baptized ones, then be somebody whose life is worth imitating. Somebody who is bold enough to be transformed by God in front of them. Be someone who is willing to try to climb the mountain, to jump into the ocean, no matter how many times you know you're going to fall down along the path. Be someone who is willing to show our children that falling down 
and learning how to get back up again is integral to this adventure that we call faith. Be the embodiment of holiness to them. Because if we don't, we will be nothing to them. Holiness or nothing. If you live in the Beloit, Wisconsin area, and if you are looking for a new church home or faith community, we would love to have you stop in and visit us. We are at 212 West Grand Avenue in downtown Beloit. Our Sunday morning Eucharistic gatherings are in the main sanctuary at 10 a.m. We also have two additional services during the week, morning prayer from the Book of Common Prayer on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. This group meets in the library, and we have a Wednesday Eucharistic gathering that meets at noon in the garden room. Lastly, our contemplative prayer group and children's ministry meets on Monday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. Children are not just welcome to come to our Monday night gatherings, but are welcome to come to any and all of our services. We have a special kids' pew in the back of our sanctuary where kids can play, roam, read, snack, and learn in the context of our liturgical community. Nursery and Children's Church is also available for those parents who would like to drop their kids off before the service begins. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you don't have to know anything about churchy stuff or Christianity to fully participate in any of our services. Feel free to come with your doubts, your heartaches, and your most genuine self. Feel free to ask questions, to fumble along, or to pretend like you know what is going on. Please come as you are and watch as God's grace transforms you into the person you've always wanted to be. Thank you for joining us today.